Hello, my fellow hemp nuts. Are you ready for the cannabis bonanza? Yes, yeah. Welcome to the New Hemp Time Show, recorded at Gotham Studio, the sweetest smelling podcast studio in the world. Today's episode is partially powered by McSorley's Chili Dogs and Cheeseburgers. <laughs> McSorley's Ale House, the oldest ale house in the United States. McSorley's, you can't beat that. All right. Also powered by the Five and Dime and their lovely old fashions handcrafted by Aaron, Dennis, and Caitlin. We are also partially fueled by Eddie and his buddy with the nice hair and the ponytail whose name I can never remember at the Smith in Manhattan. We'd also like to thank our Patreon supporters. Today, live in the studio, we have Dr. Jan Roberts, our licensed clinical social worker. Hello, special. everybody. And we also are joined by the unapologetic farmer, Randy Cameron. Hey, hey. <laughs> Let's grow. <laughs> nice. And farmer I, Ran. Farmer Ran, for short. And I'm the token cannabis researcher, Dr. J. Dr. J now. Greer Barnes couldn't be here today because he's filming. Uh, he's on Cincinnati Street. Street. Cincinnati Street. What letters is the show brought to us by, Jan? The letters B S. <laughs> <laughs> So, that was so wrong. <laughs> and uh, thank you to Miles, who's keeping our sound and video running smoothly. Oh, my God. Yes, Miles. Thank you. We love Miles. We wouldn't be here without Miles. And we have a new intern. Got a new intern. We're yes, official. We we're we official. official. We got so, a producer. So we're going to have a fun show for you today. We got the check-in, a word of the day. We're going to talk about some social justice issues, a short research focus. And for busting today, we're going to go into headlines instead of stories. And that's going to be our show. Awesome. So let's spin it over to Jan with the check-in. Thank you, guys. Good to see you here on this beautiful Wednesday. I know. I love those McSorley's chili dogs and cheeseburgers we had. That was, that was delicious. Good. That was good. Uh, anyway, you know how I like to do this as a therapist. I like to kind of check in, see how we're doing, kind of learn about ourselves. And uh, so I just wanted to kind of check in first, but I'm going to turn the tables and ask mm -hmm. Dr. J, how are you doing today? Any good stuff going on or what's going on in your world? There's always good stuff going on. Um, <laughs> I feel like I crossed so many things off my to-do list yesterday that today I can kind of just coast. You know, uh, I can I can rest on my laurels of my previous to-do list. So I feel pretty good. <laughs> you feel free. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you've been doing lots of stuff. Busy. Yeah, um, we. Yeah, I don't know what a, what a, what's IP and what I can and can't say. Right, mm. right. Because it's hard to tack down every listener and say sign this NDA. But there's some really fun research projects in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, we got the Javits Center Expo, uh, the CWCB, the Cannabis World Conference right. coming up. Yeah. You're speaking Saturday morning on hey. cannabis and mental health. Hey, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be there hanging out, talking with people, maybe taking people over to Happy Monkey. We'll see. Uh, the worst kept secret in, in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the best kept secret yeah. in Manhattan. And I, I have love to say, I'm Vladimir just, and those yeah. guys. Yeah. Yep. Really yeah. great team over there yep. at Happy Monkey. I'll yeah. be hanging out outside of Jacob Javits. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't get peddling, you a Peddling some $500 tickets. Uh, oh, no. No, but uh, that's Wait, special. Are you, you're not going? 
Mm, uh, I don't think so. Okay. okay. I don't think so. But there's okay. a lot of events not yeah. directly related right. with right. it where you Around. can meet people. That's right. And, and That's actually right. hanging out outside is not a bad idea. Well, my God, guys, we just had our production meeting at McSorley's and we ran into someone who was yep. at the conference who just over- right. overheard our conversation and had to come meet us yep. and all that. So it's a fun time. It's yeah. cannabis week in New York. Hey. I love it. It's always so- cannabis week in New York to me. But. <laughs> so how are you doing, Rand? Good, good, good. Yeah. Had a, uh, I missed last week. Yeah. But I was up in Buffalo at the Alexander School. So shout out to the new school that's in the Brooklyn Sprout network. They're oh, going to, we're going to work with them through the, through the, uh, school nice. year. They have a nice STEAM program. So, uh, we got their growth. Like a STEM program? Or what? A- actually, STEAM. So they add <laughs> agriculture. So what do you do exactly with them? So they have a full blown, well, not full blown. They have a nice, um, Outdoor garden, indoor aquaponic and hydroponic mm-hmm. program, and they have some metal shop working, some engineering. Can I um, ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Please. I'm curious, just like a minute or so. Tell me, like, what got you so motivated mm-hmm. to get into hydroponics and teaching about agriculture to students? Right. So I think the hydroponic movement, honestly, uh, was brought, was, was Brought on into our experience because, uh, it's the most efficient controlled environment growing you can do in the city. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were underground growers mm-hmm. and pretty much the first crop that we learned on was the cannabis crop. Mm. Um, and at that point I realized in order to, there was really no timetable on when things would go legal. So mm-hmm. if we really wanted to, be efficient and um, diversify ourselves so we can have some income streams. Let's just switch to a uh, controlled environment, lettuce growing and, oh, that's cool. and basil growing. We started with that. And so you go into schools and teach Going people how to do hydroponic agriculture. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. And that's what we started off with. So I have a crazy another question. Okay. So if you had any kind of like advice for people, because obviously mm-hmm. this is a spring growing mm-hmm. season. A lot of people are growing outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in rural areas and urban areas. Yep. What kind of tips would you have for people? So it's springtime. We want to look at our soil. A lot of folks just kind of left it there with um, last year's growth on top. Yeah. So the tip that I would do now that I just kind of and we did some soil analysis up in Buffalo. So the new trend now is that we're not doing deep soil flips with like big plows. And we just really want to turn over the top six inches of your garden um, and fold that back into for natural composting. Oh. So that's the tip of the week for all you guys that have backyard gardens. Um, let's not go deeper than seven inches. All and let's right. turn that. So just turn that soil over, fold what you had that was from last season back in. And um, if you want to add some nice quality topsoil to that. Yeah. Start from there. Oh, that's so cool. I can't wait for you to teach me how to, oh, we're going to do how it. to really yeah. kind of grow. Cause I, yeah. I kill ever. I can keep humans alive. Plants, plants. I don't, I kill them. I have one dying at my apartment right now. So. Well, I'm the opposite. I tend to kill humans. <laughs> <and keep plants. laughs> what a great transition to our next segment. <laughs> Well, between us, oh, we can keep plants and people alive. Can I just say something? I need to check in, too. You know, the therapist needs therapy as well. So 
I personally am doing really well. I had a huge party this past weekend mm-hmm. and a bunch of people came over to celebrate and that celebrate my doctorate and just haven't the seen them in a long time. Yep. At the house had, it was huge. Make the best mojitos ever right. and had another party the next day. So I'm flipping tired, but I am speaking at the Jacob Javits Center at that conference about cannabis yeah, and man. mental health. And really, I'm so excited that I have this platform because we're really kind of talking about how cannabis can affect mood regulation and really how it can impact people positively as well. You know, it can affect them negatively, but we're really kind of talking about how therapeutically it can. And impact this is people. your first public speaking with the title. On, oh, under, with the title, no, doctor. With the title. Yeah. So what is that? I mean, that gives a little. Nah, it's the same thing. Really? However, oh. I did start. I have to tell you, I started teaching yesterday. Started the semester again because I teach at NYU, and I did introduce myself as Doctor Jan Damn Roberts. Right. That was weird. It is different. <laughs> and, and when you hear that, I'm telling you, I know, Doctor Jan. It all. Yeah, Doctor Jan Roberts. What? I know. I had to, even friends ask me if they could call me Doctor J, and I'm like. Sorry, my colleagues, that you, you call one. me Dr. Jan. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. So fantastic. We are all doing well with fun things on the horizon, which brings us to our word of the day. So our word of the day is charis. And charis is a old name for hash. This is either hand rubbed or sifted hash. So charis is a typically a derived from a Hindustani word. It's the name given to hashish. From cannabis, and it's typically made in the in India and Jamaica, and it's directly from the resin of the cannabis plant. And if you ever trimmed cannabis, this basically forms on the scissors while you're trimming it, or if you're handling a lot and yep. rubbing it in your hands, and then you scrape it usually with a blade off your hands, rub it into a ball, um, that sort of thing. Um, and so it's really from fresh resin, not the stuff left over right. in a bowl or that's been smoked. Right. It's it's fresh, fresh cannabis resin, rubs. typically a nice gooey brown sort of structure and a few epithelial cells exactly. <laughs> which is always kind of grossed me out honestly I know. but i mean it's you don't, you don't know delicacy. where their hands you don't been. know you don't know scratching the behind and hopefully oh, oh god you I just know. gave me that know, image of my mind but it's a little man you know with a robe down to here and no drawers on just going like oh <laughs> No hand sanitizer. Yeah, no hand sanitizer. They're, they're not exactly <laughs> testing requirements for those products. <laughs> so, but you know, um, but with the sifted hash and yeah. some of these pressed hashes that use modern techniques on mechanical production of cannabis, they may yet survive into the industry. We'll, we will see. But there is a topic too when it comes to cannabis products that I think is important uh, for us to address, and that is some of the privilege around accessing certain cannabis products. Now, it's gotten better for THC products, for safe access to uh, metal can- medical cannabis for some people in some areas. But what's happening with CBD and cannabidiol from hemp or the cannabis plant is a little strange. You know, we see these aren't, you know, lounges just for cannabis use that are popping up. We're seeing cafes offer them and drinks. Um you know, while CBD is marketed as this friendly, harmless, medicinal part of cannabis and THC is the evil twin, even though it's been FDA approved for decades longer than CBD, um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and Martha Stewart, they can hawk CBD products while I'm worried about certain kids. You know, they still need to watch their back if they're going to roll up a, you know, a, a joint of yep. hemp flowers, mm-hmm. right? So we have this weird issue. Does Martha have a product out now? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. 
She does. And it's a very understandably pristine product that's only using the nicest CBD possible. Thank you. And I en- I endorse it. <laughs> it's a Snoop Double O. God, that impersonation sucked. I did. <laughs> no, it was good. I jumped right on. I was, I was with you. All right. I Snoop didn't know and Snoop, and, and Snoop Dogg actually uh, was quoted in an article talking about standardized products are needed now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that goes a long way from just rolling up anything and, you know, that bubonic chronic. <laughs> Hello. That was not standardized. Right. That was just. That was, no. Right. Um, and so, you know, another thing that, that is weird is like people, and even I have said, wow, Epidiolex, pharmaceutical CBD seems expensive when you look at the annual cost for it. But if you were to buy the same amount of CBD, say in a lotion from a boutique or one of those herbal apothecary bougie stores, yep. which sell great products, don't get me wrong, Do they? you would be spending way more money uh, than you would. Yeah. I mean, I like to get some of their, um, mocktails that they have at those places and things like that and other supplements and things. But looking at, you know, $150 for an ounce of lotion. I mean, and if you're using that as a medicine, as a therapeutic treatment and you're going through that every day or every two days, every, right. even every week, that's going to add up to a lot of money. And especially if you're talking about reaching the therapeutic threshold, which, in the literature is two to 300 milligrams. And some of these products don't even have that in Enough. the entire product. And so it's really hard to imagine how people are going to afford this and the image associated, you know, see, it's a myth. CBD has been in the cannabis industry for a decade, wasn't mm-hmm. very popular, wasn't marketed. <laughs> and now it's catching on because, um, it's, there's a market for it, but it is, it does make for an awkward conversation that you have this sort of angel drug, which is CBD, and then you have this demon drug, which is THC. They both go into the brain. They both affect receptors. Right. And in one social circle, in one class, it's you're allowed to sell it, sponsor it. But if you're somewhere else, you could get in trouble still. You could still be arrested for it. I mean, do you think law enforcement officials are trained to distinguish between CBD products that meet the 2018 Farm Bill regulations and those that don't? Do you want to explain that to them while they pull you over on the side sure. of the road? Sorry, did you smell my breath? It's a CBD, I swear. I mean, Can you imagine that? No, I like, mean, that would be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And there's still a lot of stats here, I think. I mean, Society and legal structures that allow people to consume cannabis products with safety and comfort. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think this article is really interesting because it highlights the dichotomy between the, the good and the bad, if you will. You know, CBD is seen as this kind of affluent thing. You can't, I know my patients can't really afford it. Mm-hmm. It's really expensive. You mm-hmm. go, I had a patient coming to me with this little tiny vial and it's like, oh, it's 80 bucks. And so it's cost prohibitive. But then we have this whole issue with what's happened with, the community, especially people of color and how they've been targeted for years. Yep. And A, this is an access issue, right. CBD, but also there's this kind of that dichotomy where we're quick to, to, um, criminalize this kind of, um, medic or this medication and stuff. So I'll give you some facts here because this mm-hmm. is what's fascinating to me. Even though whites and blacks, um, tend to consume cannabis at the equal or uh, equal rates, they typically are 
Blacks are arrested four times more often, at minimum four times more often uh, than whites are for the same kind of possession mm-hmm. issues. In addition, like even in 2018, here in the first three months in NYC, in New York, 93% of people who were arrested for cannabis possession in the city were actually people of color. Right. 93%. Right. And so we have this kind of idea that, and that was the first three months of 2018. Right. And we have this idea that, you know, CBD, if we think about it, they're marketing it to affluent people. Right. And then it's kind of this, you know, this of piece course. where the THC is, is wrong. It's criminalized. You also have, uh, I think is what you were touching on is quality of product mm-hmm. and where it's being marketed in various neighborhoods. Yeah. So if those neighborhoods, uh, neighborhoods of color, um, in small bodega type stores where you're beginning right. to see lower quality CBD product that is still advertised and promoted as this miracle, right. um, you know, cure all type of product where we know dosages are off percentages of pure TA of pure CBD in the product is, you know, we don't right. know. Are you going to buy a product because it's lower quality? That's going to make you fail a drug test because yeah. it's, it's not within the legal limit or there's too exactly. much THC in there. Exactly. And yeah. So there, there are issues of accessing safe products in right. a sense, like as advertised and how can you, you know, if, if I imagine a store in Manhattan, if they mess up, there will be repercussions. They'll get All sued. Their clients have legal resources exactly. to be like, yep. just like we saw with the uh, brass knuckles. That's right. Like those people have resources to go after people who have huge companies. Exactly. And I don't imagine if, you know, if I, I don't think I'd be able to go after the chocolate company in my bodega. 100%. <laughs> and it's the same thing. It's like, uh, in the early nineties, there was the malt liquor movement where St. Ides, Wilding Horse, uh, these were like the real cheap, cheap malt liquors that would yeah. make people go cuckoo and you would only get them in the bodegas. So, you, right. you know, once you pass 96th Street, you're not seeing this in regular delis and stuff. Mm. Right. Um, you know, so. Wow. Um, so interesting. And, so, and, yeah. and it is. I mean, we were having a conversation with a friend of ours today about how much it costs, like for CBD infused drinks and such. Right. Like they're like 12 bucks a piece. That's I right. mean, you can't afford, you know, a lot of people can't afford that. Yep. So I, I, I get nervous when we start highlighting. And this is what I love about talking about cannabis is how it's so representative of the issues in our culture. You know, we're talking about like capitalism, for example, and how now cannabis industry is being, you know, big, big industry is coming into it and it's a lot of money being infused into it. And we're talking about people making a lot of money, whereas, you know, people in Colorado who are working for dispensaries, you know, aren't making that much money. And so there's a huge kind of income disparity we're seeing in this field. And there's still the stigmatization even that exists within this field that we're quick to demonize THC and not you know, CBD is the angel, you exactly. know, so, so it's, it's kind of an interesting, sad, but interesting kind of reflection of where we are as a culture. Especially because of the legal gray area of these products. Yep. And it's extremely unfair mm-hmm. to yep. have people roll the dice on that. Cause it kind of seems, you know, all the thing about all the things we've talked about the show, grandmothers getting busted for CBD. Right. Some people yeah. are opening the, some of the largest distribution centers for cannabis we've ever seen. Right. 
you know, and it just seems like some people are going to be getting caught up in this complex regulatory framework yep. in the laws. Yeah. And they're really, you know, back in the day when medical cannabis was first burgeoning in California, us activists had to put together things like green funds, legal support for medical cannabis patients, funds to help them get their cards so yes. they could be legal patients. But it seems like a hard sell in this day and age to be like, we need a CBD fund for these people who got taken advantage of and are now, you know, got pulled over on the side of the road with an ounce of CBD flour. And, you know, they were driving through the wrong county right. that has zero tolerance because I think it's something like there's about a dozen, 14 states that allow CBD products with no THC and absolutely no THC products. So there's like, I think there's, it's, it might be less now. Um, some states have updated things, but there's yeah. some states you definitely don't want to mess around mm -hmm. with and even be a picogram over in terms of the CBD. And for those of you listening, wondering <laughs> what we're talking about, this conversation was inspired by a Marie Claire article about mm -hmm. CBD privilege and marijuana legalization. We will share that in our show it's notes. Already sh it's already shared yeah. online as we speak on New Hemp Times Facebook. So are there any other comments you guys would like to make on that before we move on just with just real quick i just think because i didn't notice until greer said a couple of weeks ago that there was you know kind of uh products that were in these smoke shops in you know upper manhattan and in brooklyn and i just you know i walked in i'm starting to see um yeah it's weird it's almost yeah. like um it's like it's like you're tripping or something because first you never saw it and exactly. now you see it everywhere. Exactly. You're like, oh my god! Once you know what the products look like, yep. you know how to identify them. Yep. it's everywhere, right next to the Twix bars. Exactly, is, you know CBD gummy rings, CBD exactly. this. Now I'm seeing CBD and kratom stuff everywhere. Yep. And I also got to imagine if any of these products are contaminated or adulterated with substances, as kratom has been shown to be. While it is, you know, a fairly like in a People are using it for opioid related therapies. Mm. It is spiked with random stuff sometimes. Mm. And, you know, there's healthcare implications there with people taking drugs Absolutely. of unknown sure. origin. Sure. Absolutely. And we just don't know. We don't know what's in a lot of these things. So, cool. well, so I think we have a long way to go in terms of involving, you know, a lot of the advocates and patients who made this industry possible and still protecting people um, and recognizing that there is privilege in this industry and who can operate businesses, who can access, who can safely carry them and use them in That's public. Right. Um, well, we've know. also talked about like, uh, I know, Randy, we talked one time about the issues related to minority businesses trying to mm -hmm. get into the field and how many hurdles there are because right. you have to have or anyone actually exactly. getting into this business unless you're a large corporation exactly. because you have to have so much funding to guarantee to guarantee and That's also crazy. with a predetermined amount of licenses that are just, that are already set um for now <laughs> for now per state we know what the ceiling is so you know you take a state of Maryland that has you know, whatever, 60 licenses given out and 87% of them were, uh, yeah. people of non color and, mm -hmm. and 50% of those were out of state corporations right. that moved into Maryland within that year of, so that automatically says how, you know, you need big dollar infrastructure to relocate and then be awarded a license because you hit all of those yeah. points. Right. 
you know. And it's um, a lot of it's a lot. A lot of money and resources that That's are needed right. to even apply for the dispensers. Exactly. A friend of ours had a great idea today for these big companies that are moving into cannabis, how yep. to make them look like heroes and just straight up geniuses. These big, big companies get together, create a fund, X, Y, millions yep. of dollars, hire some 18-year-old programmer who's drinking Pepsi in his basement and have them create something that will expedite the expungement of yep. records being busted for cannabis. Yep. He, I do not think that Joe Schmo at the Department of Health or Corrections is going to get through 80,000 expungements in some of these states, you know, in a timely manner. Governments exactly. are notoriously underfunded and having to do, you know, these regulators have to do a ton of work. That's right. And so inefficient. And I really think that if these companies wanted to help empower people, help to kind of change some of the status quo, rapid, effective expungement of these records, it really would just take a fund from some of these companies who are probably spending millions a day just on R&D alone. Exactly. That could help, again, change the game almost overnight for a huge amount of people who deserve to be in this industry and have exactly. skills to contribute exactly. to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we will. This is an issue we bring up a lot on the show. Yeah. Something near and dear to our hearts. And um, but next, I, I made a promise that we would talk about the human study uh, of the rats. We talked about the rats on heroin um, and what they do and uh, CBD that. rats, yeah. dope that. fiend rats. How'd that go? Oh, it was really funny. Greer did a rat impersonation oh on different drugs on Not different now. drugs yeah. cbd rat and a heroin rat <laughs> yeah but the reason i mentioned that animal study because there's one of my favorite researchers is dr yasmin Hurd. she's over at mount sinai here in new york a, a old colleague of mine we've done panels and, and presented together and stuff they did this like one two punch they published this rat study and then shortly after that on may 21st they published a study on humans and, and heroin addiction and you know this is an epidemic right Three hundred thousand deaths mm-hmm. um and what's really funny is the turn of the century was supposed to be the start of the like the pain era for the united states like we had the genetic uh code being solved in the late 90s and yep. then the decade of pain research and we after that we had an opioid epidemic um so you know there's two treatment options really right now methadone buprenorphine as opioid substitution therapies these have their own stigma and risk. And but, that's called Suboxone, basically. And this current study was looking at the um, kind of short-term and long-term effects of CBD on drug cue-induced cravings and anxiety in drug-abstinent individuals. So mm. anxiety is one of the big triggers for relapse. Um, so basically, they looked at one hours, two hours, 24 hours, three consecutive days, and seven days or, or longer. Um Basically, they looked at 42 men and women randomly assigned to receive either 400 or 800 milligrams of oral CBD. I would just like to say we're talking about 10 times more than in that product, maybe even 100 times more than in most CBD products you will buy at bodegas or at the apothecaries we mentioned. Okay. Like, here's a little homework assignment. Addiction was heroin. Heroin, but okay. we're talking right. very, very large doses of oh, CBD, CBD compared to what's regularly available in, in the market. So four or 800 milligrams. Um, and they measured stuff like opioid crazing, positive and negative effects. They looked at every type of vital sign you could imagine, skin, temperature. And basically they found that CBD reduced both the craving and the anxiety from drug cues. So like you show someone a picture of drug paraphernalia. 
or you know uh, some band that uses whatever any trigger it's any, a trigger yeah yep. yep and and they they and they can know if people are lying because they can look at your heart rate and yep. if you see a picture of a needle and a pile of heroin you will start to sweat if you have if you're addicted sure. to it your body will sure. respond to that um, basically they were able to say that CBD reduced a dose of CBD given like three days over three days was able to reduce cravings and anxiety one week after the final administration. So this suggests that while the effects of CBD are subtle, they may be long lasting. Um, and, and even when the cannabinoid would not be expected to be present in the body, you would yeah. metabolize it all out. So this is a very interesting study. Again, for kind of first of its kind. There's no been no, you know, science is based on being able to make predictions and replicate things. So yeah. we'll see if it translates um, into this group uh, or into other groups. But it's really surprising that these large doses of CBD given orally would have an effect a week later, and especially such a pronounced effect on anxiety. Once it's out of the system, you're saying? Yeah, even when it's yep. thought to be out of the system. But CBD is like THC. It will go into the fat, but it detectable in the blood will be very, very difficult. Right. Um, you know, detection is a definition of limits <laughs> that you could straight on. But, you know... So, so is there a relation? And I'm just wondering when you're, when you are recovering Mm -hmm. to hope, which comes out of, you know, I'm taking this new medicine. I hope it's going to provide relief. Well, and that trigger, which is something, uh, psychological, you're seeing the image. Yeah. But you would have, you would have seen that with a placebo too. And they didn't. So that's why you always have a placebo is Mm. to kind of measure it against something that they think it might be CBD, Mm. but you don't Mm. know. That's how I know. And people don't know what they're getting. They don't know if they're getting actual CBD what the milligrams right. are or what the placebo, you know, or if they're getting a placebo. Mm. So you would theoretically see that if it were yep. just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I find this interesting because I have a few questions on this, but um, for me, because as we know, anyone who has a heroin addiction or some kind of opioid addiction, the withdrawal is so remarkable and so painful and so uncomfortable that even that kind of leads to someone wanting to use just to get rid of the withdrawal symptoms. So while they're talking about, um, and and maybe, Jehan, maybe I missed this. They were given it. When was the last time? Do we know, like, how long it had been since they had used? Um, Cannabis or drugs? No, No, uh, heroin or their opioid. Um, I would have to double check on that. I believe that they would have to be at least absent and pass a drug screening to be included in the test. So it would have. So that first wave of okay. that pain you're talking about would have been gone, Jan? Well, that's what I'm trying to find out because we've also talked about potentially CBD mitigating withdrawal effects of heroin as well. So There's some data to that effect. And so for me, this is fascinating as a clinician that when I think of someone who's trying to get off an opioid, they're going through the physical withdrawal symptoms, the psychological withdrawal symptoms. But then there's this whole piece towards once that you have it that you're not having those physiological symptoms, then you're hitting relapse prevention. And so my question was, 
I wanted to make sure that these were people who had already passed yeah. that that stage of yeah. withdrawal and were just in relapse prevention yeah. stage because this is phenomenal. I mean, a but you need that group of folk in that pot in that particular. Well, I do believe stage that to see that, how accurate, and, and I'm not going to go into this here, um, but I do believe that there's potentially a physiological reason why this is working on them. Perfect. So to answer your question, Jan, I had to, as everyone should, go back to the original article. Don't just rely on what yes. you've read in the papers. Um, one thing, too, I'd like to comment on the, the withdrawal effects of opioids. If you've been lucky enough to never experience this, um, I've heard it described as the worst flu you've ever had in your life. So imagine the worst flu with the aching and the body temperature changes. I mean, diarrhea, stuff like that. But for the study, the healthy participants that they selected could only test positive for nicotine, no other psychoactive substance. They had to meet your favorite publication, Jan, DSM-4 criteria. Four? For heroin um, uh, uh, dependence or Wait, opioid. Wait, when was opioid the study with, done? It was done uh, in the last year. It was just published on uh, May 21st. Okay. But so um, the heroin, they had, be, had to be basically abstinent for the last, previous three months. Yeah. Um, and okay. being administered either, some of them were administered methadone and buprenorphine or an opioid antagonist. They um, are? Some of the, yeah. They had to show signs of, um, they had to basically pass the DSM-4 criteria for the clinical <laughs> opiate withdrawal scale. Okay. Uh, so they were... They definitely were being, um, see, because no, we so, use- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They were excluded if they were being maintained on methadone. Okay. Cause that's where I was a little freaked out right. by that one. Good. I'm glad you figured that out because methadone I, wouldn't work on it if you. Well, no, it, right. it would. It's a totally different kind of. No, I mean, kind on of, that study, could you be on methadone? No, I don't think, and I, no, no, they did the no, right thing. Right. That's why I was going to say right. if they included right. them, that was an issue. <laughs> okay. But what I'm getting at is this is a phenomenal phenomenal kind of thought about how we can start looking at drug treatment differently using cannabinoids to kind of help with this. Um, I do have another question, Jayhan, that and, you can and probably just, ask. And you guys just add this. What is the imaginary timeline on developing this science and it actually hits patients uh, in these? You well, know. here's the good news is that the CBD product they used was Epidiolex, which is already Schedule 5 for okay. pediatric epilepsy. Mm-hmm. So that makes it easier to get it approved for other diseases, but you would still need like phase one, two, it's and like three studies. 30000 a year if you pay it out of pocket. But, and but a lot of insurance companies the time might not line, do that. We would be lucky but if we got it in they, 10 years. Jayhan, can you tell me, did they actually control for how long the person had been sober? It's a, because to me, that's also an issue because yes. as a clinician, you know, we know that when someone has three months of sobriety from any kind of substance that it's harder because you have more cravings versus I've been a couple of years from that. So I'm just wondering. So yeah, like, so, I would assume. So this is how they did it. They basically administered a basic physical exam. They even admis- administered breathalyzers, full urine tox screen. They even looked at blood counts, liver functioning, and chemistry panels because certain drugs can raise or lower the activity of immune cells and uh, things like that. So there can be some like, oh, this guy's been, you know, using Schedule One drugs mm-hmm. all week. Yep. Like you can sometimes see that in the immune system yep. uh, that might but- throw the results off. For the rest of the panel, but they did breathalyze people as well. In but the that's study. not what I'm asking. I'm asking, did they control for how long that person had been away from that substance? 
Um, not all substances. They did make sure they weren't. They were looking. They're trying to exclude anyone who was on anything for the last three months. Some people. Okay, was, that's still not my question. My que- I don't know if I'm not making myself clear, but my question is: is someone who's been clean for a longer period right. of time is yeah. not going to have those with you know the those triggers as much? Triggers They're not going to relate to exactly. it as someone who's only three months. Exactly. So that's my question. Like and you they, want that three months? I want to make to sure see. we're looking at the same cohort of someone who has about the same amount of sobriety, so that we're getting the same kind of thing. So I'm just. Well, the, their design. That is a good question because the age group is so wide. You're looking mm-hmm. at 25 yeah. to 65. Exactly. And I, and I don't imagine, uh, from what they have published in the results, and you know, for scientific studies, they're not necessarily publishing like how to reproduce my research. Right. Sometimes it's a little... No, but they but, usually mention, and these kinds of studies and social science studies, these are very common. You so, look at controlling variables, you look at these variables so you can kind of control yeah. for it because that would definitely be a variable that would impact the results. So I, I'm curious to find out uh, so that they, might, maybe yeah. we write in to the authors and for clarification because I think that's a really important question to ask like did I you agree. control for how long the person you're so- also talking about two populations of open it o- opiate users so for instance in in upper Manhattan where they have the the huge Benny Prim recovery center you know a mm-hmm. couple blocks from where I live and I even have one on my block so mm-hmm. I see these patients every day these are old users that are not part of this new wave of uh people who might have been prescribed something and then began began to um abuse it. Mm-hmm. Um you know these are folks that are generally heroin tradi- exactly. Yeah. And um yeah so uh, part of the people they excluded they is if you had a history of hypersensitivity to cannabinoids and to your point showed signs of acute heroin withdrawal according to the opioid withdrawal DSM-4 mm-hmm. criteria. But that was about it. So it didn't matter mm-hmm. how long they had been the sober. The 65-year-old could have been sober for eight years still thinking about heroin. Yep. I mean, I'm just throwing concepts out here. Yeah. To, but it is yeah. different. Yeah. That's where I, I, I would just like to... Let's get Yasmin, Dr. Hurd, yeah. on the show. Let's ask I her would, these questions. Actually, I would love to have her on for the real. show because that's a great... Because obviously they did some really cool stuff you know her, Jay Han. No, <laughs> Maybe you can it. get her on because that's yeah. a great question. So they did do they did stratify the group in terms of reported last use of heroin or oh, other opioids. So they did do so that. less than one month, less than two months, less than three months. But we don't know quite um how I mean this is they passed a talk screen. And again, but that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about how long they had been away from the drug. So they did control for that is what you're telling me. They, they had they a cutoff to- of three months, um, but they said last use of heroin. So like basically they had, they controlled for duration of use in years. Okay. But, that's in, just duration. but in terms of recruiting people and knowing precisely how long it's been between each group, that's a little fuzzy. They did try to control for it, but it's not as good as it probably could have been. Mm-hmm. So. Like the average use of heroin is 13.9 years across a yeah. group aged 21 <laughs> to 65. Yeah, well, well, that uh, that doesn't mean. So you're telling me that anyone who had who had been sober for more than three months was excluded? Uh, yeah. Okay, so that so solved. That was the control. issue. That was. Oh, but the I mean, issue. that's based on survey data. 
So they could have used it. Oh, sure. But no, that's so, you're you're holding it to a different standard in social yeah. science. That's totally acceptable. So less than one month <laughs> of the entire group used for the whole study, twenty seven people. Um, their last use of heroin was less than a month ago. Okay, six was less than two months, and nine was so less than three months. You you answered my question. Then that's good. So that means these are people in active early relapse prevention, right. and so because the when we work in this field. When we work with patients who are going through relapse, you know, we're trying to prevent relapse, we do kind of divide them up into how we think about it. Someone in early prevention is very different than someone who's just maintaining right. abstinence. And so so that's hugely different. So that's great data that it's less than three months um, that they've been away from this drug and it showed such a promising thing. What are, were the were they st- statistically significant? Um the differences, uh, like this, does not indicate uh, uh, no significant group differences were detected from any variable. But they even controlled for the route of administration as well. But there was statistical significance between the placebo. Um, well, I mean, in terms of effects, yes, but mm. in terms of the grouping of how long they used it and how they that, used it. That's not what I'm asking though, because what I'm, this is like a social science. Kind I know. Of we just have to be clear about the data. Cause when we're talking about characteristics of the people in the study, last time use of heroin, is there a significant difference between the groups? And then we have the question of, are the effects significant? Absolutely. Yeah. No, Absolutely. The effects are uh, night and day. Uh, the effects of CBD versus placebo. Right. 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 So, um, you know, change from baseline in terms of, you know, at 24 hours or seven days after is still significant. Um, and that's what's so brilliant. The seven days after. I mean, think about that. After their last dosage, they're still experiencing, experiencing that kind of like uh, reprieve. So like just say the 400 milligrams or 800 milligrams, which is a larger dose than I guarantee most. Then- CBD only users have ever, ever had. Used. Yeah. yeah. And clear when they get the, the placebo doses, they don't know that they're getting it. No. Right. And, uh, so when you're doing this study monthly, you check it to, for those, uh, differences in the patients that took placebo to the ones that actually mm-hmm. took the CBD. Yeah. And I would assume that the authors probably had no clue until they ran the data who until had the placebo it. and who didn't um, yeah, so to minimize the bias. Yeah. Study. Okay. I, I do have a, another question then. So when you're thinking of that much uh, CBD, what does the typical consumer usually use? And like, so if you so, have a, jar of cream uh-huh. that let's just say like a small thing of cannabis lotion is, is our conceptual product here and it has 50 milligrams in it you're probably getting one milligram per dollop right or if you have a drink and it only has 10 milligrams in it or you know if you have a gummy bear and it has two milligrams of cbd or in if it, you buy the vial at the dispensary yeah. how much do you get i mean if that's you know, those might be at most a hundred milligrams of CBD at most. Most and of then them, they're are, t- and then they're taking tiny doses of that. Yeah, and usually. so you, most people are probably taking five to ten milligrams of CBD that are not medical patients. They're just so going. So then by we're talking about this dosage would be times. hundreds yeah, of high dollars high. for one dosage. It would be sure. more than that because for a hundred milligram, yeah, so hundred milligrams yeah. of CBD, you're probably paying between a hundred and three hundred dollars, depending on where you're going. 
So, I mean, that's what it sells for yeah. at the brunch spot near yeah. my place in Brooklyn. <laughs> I was like, I just want some waffles. Why are you trying to sell me CBD oil? Yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah, but so, that's fascinating. So oh, as no. hemp becomes more readily available, yeah. we might see the price hopefully go down well, so that people could potentially. Sure. I hope that market crashes and you can be like, I need an extra zero on this oh, amount of CBD. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in practical time, you're talking seven years from now, it will be a. So uh, if they want to do, what would be the next steps? The right. next steps, they'd have to start to probably look at um, longer term use mm-hmm. over time, mm-hmm. how it interacts with other drugs, sort of a safety profile. Because remember, it's only been proven safe for a very narrow condition for kids. It hasn't been looked at in adults taking a bunch of different drugs right. and substances with right. a lot of complex things going on. So I think, though, this would be something that could be fast-tracked. And, um, you know, I think less than 10 years is mm-hmm. a approval treatment. Mm-hmm. That could definitely happen. But we're still going to have to see f- much larger studies, much larger populations. Um, and I definitely think that they're going to get into some interesting territory if they start to look at what happens when you administer 800 milligrams of CBD and someone's taking three or four other right. medications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why we don't want folks to get ahead of the cart right now right. and over exploit the, uh, yeah, the good that it can do oh, man. Um, and let it develop properly. But guys, the, the impact of this article is huge. Yep. It really huge. is huge. And this to me is the argument for opioid use disorder being included. So here's the kicker. Here's the kicker to that. No one in the group that got um, 800 milligrams used opioids. One participant who got 400 milligrams relapsed, and two people in the placebo group relapsed. Mm. That works. is insane. Works. So again, to me, if you're listening, and if you live in certain states, I would who are considering opioid use disorder. That is your. That is the argument there. I would, I would argue though, I would like to see <laughs> THC products compared side by side with That'd CBD or a combination or maybe CBDs like the daytime equivalent to like yeah. a, a maintenance thing. And you take it once a week and THC is used for other symptoms because anecdotally, we have heard a lot about people being weaned off of a cocktail of opioids using THC rich products more anecdotal evidence on that CBD. Nothing like this has been done for THC and opioid use disorder. It would be interesting. Why do, you, uh, do, you th- do you, what would be your hypothesis? How would it be different? Or do you think? Uh, well, I believe that if, well, people like fireworks. They mm-hmm. like to see that big effect. Mm-hmm. People, you know, aren't into mm-hmm. subtle, nuanced analogy. things, but people who have been struggling with something for a yep. while have the patience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in a con- in a conceptual way, I could see as THC as being that firework that helps them wean it off. It provides relief. It provides something. I don't think it's for everyone, but definitely, you know, Pennsylvania has passed well, like- a law allowing THC rich products to be. Uh, recommended for patients who have opioid use disorder. Well, no, I was actually thinking uh, the reason I brought up this for opioid use disorder um, with CBD with states was only because then we know it's regulated at that point. We Then we know mm-hmm. they're getting products that are safe yeah. mm-hmm. and standardized. That's what, mm-hmm. where my yeah. mind was. But I, I do have, so maybe THC would really work with withdrawal. Yeah, sure. I think for the pain. I, I, yeah. I just went to... uh 
because I witness so many of these folks in the neighborhood and they yeah. tend to be older yeah. um, heroin users and they tend to not be interested in right. cannabis. You right. know, that's not their drug of choice. Right. And they have used everything in the book. Yep. And from a street level process, they think they understand what they like and what they don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know, do we save this population or... You know, have some aren't going to be safe. Let's be, let's yeah. be real about it. Yeah. We're talking seven years from now. Yeah, but you know what? You gotta start to the family but. members who've lost, you know, I've lost people due to this battle. I think a lot of us have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, it's worth, if you can save a life. Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree. I, I will tell you though, I, this is fascinating to me because I think that, the whole notion, you know, medication assisted treatment can be controversial for some people. And I, you know, for me, I would like people to, um, you know, do as well as possible and give people options so that they can try to see what works for them. Yeah. And this, as a clinician, I'm really, I have this issue with abstinence based treatment that it's not effective and harm reduction type treatment is so much more effective and you can teach people to pay attention to kind of what's happening to them mm-hmm. and to develop some mindfulness around how substances are, are impacting them. This is such a good, it, it makes me feel good reading this only because this makes me feel like there's potential hope for people struggling because that trigger piece is so overwhelming for people that when they're triggered and they they experience that they start jonesing and that leads to relapse Mm -hmm. you know triggers are what create relapse Mm -hmm. opportunities and and so good for them i would I just think this is wonderful. And the fact that that 800, that it lasted so long after their last dosage is unreal to me. How long does it stay in your system then? That is, that is a good question. I have seen studies that say uh, CBD is out of the blood within a couple hours, at least detectable. Well, the, the part of the problem with science, again, is detection is an artificially kind of constructed thing. You know, uh, if you extract stuff from a dollar bill rinse it with ethanol you'll find a bunch of drugs depends on how low you want to set the detection limits but it seems like it is rapidly removed from the blood uh rapidly excreted but i think if you take high enough doses it should stick around in the fat for a while um but i think that's a it's a really good question is what is it altering because it could be a secondary or tertiary thing maybe it's like um, you know, jump starting the endocannabinoid system or something like, like putting, you know, the Frankenstein electrical cables sure, on the battery sure. in your brain that controls anxiety and craving and just kind of like, all right, fire it up. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and that lasts for a cool. while. You that, get a jump on your really battery is. and it keeps really going, right? Yeah. Like, right? I mean, so that's, that's all kind of the best analogy I could think of. Mm-hmm. Wow. Or maybe it, yeah, maybe it reboots. reboots. It cleans the desktop. Yep. Cleans it. I swear it's just, I'm gone. Yeah, I like that. Well, this I, we talked I, I about this way a, longer than I thought. But can I ask? This is a good I do topic. have. We have a question for um, uh, from one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, "Do you guys think that adult use legalization will pull away from CBD regulation if it goes into place before CBD regulation?" 
spoiler alert, CBD is already regulated in states that have medical cannabis programs. Um, What's not regulated is hemp grown without any oversight Mm -hmm. or responsibility Mm -hmm. to the consumer or accountability. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we what we're talking about here is you can get CBD products in states that have medical cannabis laws. If you want to go around that and not have testing requirements, not have heavy metal requirements, not have you know, it's it's totally bizarre to me that you're like, hmm, am I going to buy a product that, I, you know, is tested and meets certain safety requirements or am I going to get something that follows no regulations and has no enforcement? Right. Mm-hmm. That to me is just, I mean, if you were buying a sandwich, would you go to a place where people were wearing gloves and they had a letter from the health department or would you like some guy came up to you was like, I got like half a PB&J right. here. On the train. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I was in Target this weekend because yeah. I was in suburbia. And literally, the woman is giving out free potato Sausages chips. I was so dish. excited. I was so excited. She was giving out free potato chips because I love potato chips. And then I saw her after I had some of the potato chips. She was actually reaching into the uh, bag with her hands. Of course she was. <laughs> I know. I know. The, the charis of, of potato course. chips. Oh. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know where that hand's yeah. been. Uh, but, she sneezed. <laughs> yeah, but, but to answer the, the listener's question, what right. they're referring right. to is like the hemp farm bill 2018, the FDA mm-hmm. coming yep. down. Mm-hmm. Because – Companies who are selling CBD products, many of them are not getting licenses. There is no oversight. Some states are having that. But what that really is creating is a pathway for people through the FDA approval process. So, you know, you all remember that low cost, effective cannabis that the FDA has? Right. No, they don't have it. So <laughs> never, never seen it. They've never seen it. But no. so that's where we're headed with this is market drug approval, not medical cannabis right. operations. So um, cannabis CBD regulations are pulling away from existing operators who have been who have been providing access to these products for over a decade in yeah. some cases. Right. So again, when we're talking, the FDA is having a hearing not to reschedule CBD from the cannabis plant, but to create a pathway for products. Right? Epidiolex is Schedule Five, not CBD. It's a right. product that meets certain requirements. Sold by one company. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. THC appears in three different scheduling categories. The two sold by corporations <laughs> are in schedule yeah. two and three. So hmm. I think go figure that one out. <laughs> I think we should be skeptical and we should yeah. demand more of yeah. our regulators because we do not want to see this product. We want to see more access to this for the reasons we discuss. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I am skeptical of any fast moving activity from any government body hmm. cool well that was a good question yeah, it's good. um and uh so i think we're going to transition now we're in the tail end here we're going to move into some canna busting finding nice. or fiction canna busters uh-uh. so <laughs> when you hear strange things about marijuana who you gonna call canna busters all right so we're not doing stories this week. We're gonna do uh-huh. some headlines. Ah, uh, all right. Back to the back to the yeah. roots. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're gonna have to determine if the headlines are real or not. Yes, I'm oh. gonna refresh it. So, cannabusting, finding or fiction? Pharmacy is robbed for a bottle of CBD epidiolex, opioids untouched. Is this a finding or fiction? 
Pharmacy is robbed for a bottle of CBD Epidiolex. Opioids untouched. Is this finding or fiction? We got to do like a little, we need a sign that we can hold up. That'd be good. Oh, oh, like judges. Yeah. 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 Well, hold up your imaginary sign and I'll read it. This means. No, I'm not going to do that because we're videoing it. I was going to say, I was going to do that. No. Um, yeah, I was almost going to, uh, put my finger up in the air. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to give this sign. I feel it. It is fiction. (laughs) The fiction symbol. It's true. I can see the Nimrod that did that shit. I swear. I I could see him too, but unfortunately, oh, I made this up. This was right. Really? Yeah. Oh. So this, so far as <laughs> we know, this hasn't happened yet. 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 But, but I am a little worried that as we do these, people will be like, "That's a good idea." I'm exactly. <laughs> go run in there. None of our listeners better All do right. that. So, cannabis finding or fiction? Is this headline real or made up? CBD may be all the rage, but cannabis terpenes are about to hit big. Finding or fiction, CBD may be all the rage, but cannabis terpenes are about to hit big. I'm going to give you my sign. Boing! What? Two thumbs up. All right. So <laughs> why do your thumbs think it's a true story? Because I believe headline? that terpenes are going to be the next thing. So the smell of cannabis is the next That's big thing. I, the I, essential I, oils. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to Senses be the middle finger or the thumb? <laughs> makes sense. I don't, you know, I, God, I hate failing in school. It's bullshit. This is a real headline oh, from Forbes. Me, man. I'm so you guys sorry. are freaking killing me. This is a set. I don't, I week. don't keep score. Okay. But maybe I do. We should. I I'm never, winning. I oh. should have a little trophy. Ah. Winning. Sorry. So what's the logic behind Mm-hmm. Oh, so cannabis terpenes can be extracted from cannabis, but also from other flowers are actually appearing at um, fancy drink places where they, they make uh, cannabis terpene infused drinks and cocktails yep. and things. And the best part about terpenes is they're all sort of uh, uh, regulated as grass compounds generally regarded as safe by the FDA. So you could buy the individual terpenes that make up cannabis's aroma. And oh, I've done it stuff. before. It's very yeah. expensive and it enhances Greatly, yes. but from uh, the CBD point of view, extracting well, CBD terpenes to enhance the product. Well, I mean, you you could, but um, but I think people are talking about um, THC terpenes. It could be from either one, either yeah, one. both. They could. You have testing results. You could look at the profile. I'm going to make so it, hemp you know. has terpenes. Yeah, hemp has terpenes. Often, um, one of the most common ones that people think is the CBD, but it's the myrcene in there from mangoes, yeah. is commonly found in hemp varieties, and that actually causes a lot of sedation and like sleepy feelings. Right. Not the CBD, but it's that yeah. actual terpene. It's so crazy. So we've talked about this before, haven't we, about mangoes and mango juice. I know... Um, my son told me about this when I was in Amsterdam one time. <laughs> <laughs> because ma- mango juice is supposed to kind of enhance As weed the Jamaicans. As the Jama- no, really. What do you mean? That's their thing, you know. Is to drink and yeah, smoke? The dreads, like all, the dreads are a big thing. It's a mango enhancement. and I did not know mm-hmm. that. Huh. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think, Dr. J.? I think I'm going to move on to the next headline. <laughs> I'm going to Jamaica. Cannabis <laughs> finding or fiction. Is this strange headline 
true or made up? The future of CBD is the hemp market hurtling towards a crash. Is this finding or fiction? Is the hemp market hurtling towards a crash? You know how much I love to rag on the hemp industry and I know, criticize you do. it. Um, I know you do. So there, there, there might be a little bias there. I know. So I'm wondering, because I've heard you talk about this. So I don't know if that was just... Me on my hemp box? You on your or hemp me box. reciting an article I read. Well, he does get Scratching on hemp Scratching your hemp nuts. That'll, uh, <laughs> that'll do it. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God. You I'm made feeling, it dirty. I'm you made it mean pressure. that, Oh, my God. <laughs> no, he did. Don't blame me. Was this a real headline that appeared? The hemp market hurling oh, towards the crash. Not. People talk about crazy things all the time. The future of CBD is the market hurtling towards a crash. Yes. This was a real article in a nutritioninsight.com. The future of CBD is the hemp market hurtling towards a crash. A little bit about what's going to happen to the price. You know, we had a caller in the other right. week who I talked. Wanted to say yeah, no. One for 47. We're no, really? just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted to say no. I only said yes because I knew Jam's going to say yes. Weren't you? Yes. I knew it. Excellent. That doesn't, so I'm sorry. Let's <laughs> no, go get ahead. the rehash on that again. So basically, um, the products are really expensive right now as we've, you know, customer interest is in it. There's all these promises of it as a cure all. It'll fix this. It'll fix that. When we snoop behind the corner, we realize that the amount people would need is a hundred times more than that's in the available products. Um, the only thing CBD's ever been approved for is a very specific type of childhood epilepsy. It's never been proven actually effective. For treating anxiety, there hasn't been studies that specifically looked at that. Um, we're just starting to see how it could potentially affect certain populations of people with opioid use disorder. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're going to see processors become bigger, become more sophisticated. They can control things, control cultural practices and influence the industry. And so they're going to be able to. So like in California, there are ounces of cannabis for that are $30. You go to dispensary. Out east, a medical cannabis dispensary, and it's 10 times that price. Right. I, I would say California is experiencing a little bit of a market crash. Yeah. Hence our LAX coverage of the 50 pounds of, of weed that was found in a bag. Right. It's so inexpensive in cannabis, but it's, you know, the market has already crashed yeah. in California a little bit uh, in terms of flower cannabis. Um, so I think that's what people are, are talking about. But also, this is a report from Rabobank, the, the, the European bank. Yeah. They say that this, um, but basically they say that this legal limbo is keeping large food and beverage companies, um, from entering into it. So there, there's all these sideline invest, investments that could propel the market forward. So you have companies that don't want to break the law. Um, and, and with this demand rising, you know, they, they think that there's these legal ambiguities blurring the lines between pharma and food that the companies that are in the game right now will not be able to pivot when the FDA changes the game. Mm. And that, that change will come and enforcement of, of that change. And they're already enforcing label claims, enforcing things like that. Some of it's been relaxed a little bit with hemp in the U.S. 2018 farm bill, but you still need to be licensed. You still need to be following regulations. You can't just start growing hemp and selling it. Well, and I like that they have that, um, I know you sent an article to me about the kind of consortium where they're basically only selling products that are safe and standardized. Mm -hmm. um, do you remember that? It's like a marketplace that you can go. So there is a like a CBD market hub. Yeah. That's not what it's called. But um, yeah, 
they require very expensive testing to get your products listed on there. So they have to meet go be, cause they know that like, like the callers, uh, like the listener had, had mentioned these, a lot of these products are making label claims that aren't accurate. Right. And if you're going to be on like the eBay or a marketplace, you have to level the playing field. That's going to cost money sure. in the form of go through our battery of tests. Oh, you have increased bioavailability. We're going to need to see at least some data. Right. Oh, you have a hundred milligrams in there. Prove it. Right. Yeah. Uh, before we fork over a few hundred dollars, right. uh, that would be nice to know if it yeah. is, yeah. is it really hemp? I mean, I remember a time when we were studying terpenes in the lab and we were like, Oh, cannabis terpene, someone is selling it on eBay. It was like, <laughs> Just like cinnamon and black pepper ground up. I mean, it was really. They, and how much were they charging? I mean, it was. Terpene price? Courtesy of That's the National crazy. Institute of Health. But, I mean, yeah. what about evolution of alcohol and, and that standardization? And what did that look like with right. proofing and. Um, right. Like when prohibition happened, did everyone sit around and say, you know what? I think exactly. there should be moonshine and formaldehyde from right. now on. No, no big company <laughs> exactly. should get in. And exactly. that, that was the messed well, that, up part about prohibition is people didn't know what alcohol should taste like. So people got fooled into drinking right. all sorts of. And, you know, that's also why AA got started. Thanks to prohibition. It actually led to a lot of people becoming such severe alcoholics yeah. because of the types of the liquors that yep. were being sold. They became more yeah. the cops yeah. Seriously. No, it, was. it led to a lot of. Pro- it's crazy. That's why prohibition never works. Yeah. Never works. It leads people are going to do what they're going to do. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I guess, you know, back in the day, the explosions were from distilleries, secret distilleries, not from meth labs. So that's that's also how the Kennedy's, isn't that how the Kennedy's got their money too? Damn right. They were selling boots. Bootleg. (laughs) That's how NASCAR started cash. Wealth bit. That's, built that's, up. The, that's right. right. Some of the they best were drivers from... were runners. So they had to make cars that drove what, faster what than the cops. Mo- what oh. was our Burt Reynolds movie? That was, was one Smokey of Smokey and the Bandit. They, no, they before get... the older than Smokey, he was running, uh, Damn, what was yeah. that? Oh, yeah. right. But, but yeah, right. there, but we do have dry counties. You, know, you bring up a point. There are dry counties for alcohol, uh, like in Texas and things like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, our point was talking about CBD and is the market going to crash? Legal ambiguities under regulation. Um, this, this will deter a lot of investment in the industry. And when regulations do happen, I think, um, you know, it's going to be like that meteor that wiped out the dinosaurs. <laughs> there are going to be some that survive. Right. But a lot of these big, dangerous, lumbering creatures are going to kill over. And I have to tell you, I get worried about the fad that is CBD, too, because I'm afraid people are going to use products that really suck in quality, and they're going to make assumptions that it's all just really not It doesn't work. Right. And, you know, people metabolize things differently. People, you know, so I just, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with CBD. Does that happen with medicine and its effectiveness in terms of things that were like, what do they call snake oil? Snake oil. And yeah. things that were really, truly effective. And yeah. how which, long did that Which take? often yeah. was opioids. Yep. <laughs> Mixed with some. I know. Hello. Yeah. You know. Um, I saw one of my favorite, well, typically those are called patent medicines. And that's part of the reason the FDA, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act came to act was like, hey, what are these things? How do we define what these things are? And they they basically in the 40s, along with cannabis preparations, yep. just said, we're starting over. Goodbye, U.S. Pharmacopeia. 
new product formulations, new rules. Um, but some of there's like amazing products. One of my when we did that talk, Janet, NYU about CBD, I had that uh-huh. slide in there about the 10 most dangerous uh-huh. uh, medicines ever to be patented and marketed. And mm-hmm. one of them, it was contained morphine, chloroform, and cannabis. And it was a sleep <laughs> aid. Good yeah. Lord. It's, it's very effective. Good. More effective yeah, than anything we have today. <laughs> a, a bottle of Grim Reaper. But she <laughs> would. But you know, and what's really scary is that yeah. about the, the, the era, the time period that Mary Poppins takes place. And that spoonful of, of medicine, of, of sugar, helps the medicine, medicine go, go down. down. What's the white crystalline substance that improves medicine? Oh, you mean those cocaine tooth right. drops marketed oh. to children? Miss Poppins was a dealer. She was oscillated. Yeah, and also there was Mary a- was a big time. <laughs> oh my God, Mary. The dealer. Exactly. <laughs> the New York Times. She packs a gun it. too, right. just in right. case. Just in case. Bloody. <laughs> That's why she keeps so much stuff in her bag is to hide what else is in there. Hello, darlings. We are going to learn some lessons today. (laughs) Jimmy won't sleep. We'll give him this laudanum. That'll knock him out. There's a kid on the bottle. (laughs) That was real products people had back in the day, like help your infant sleep. And it would just be like an opioid solution. Um, But uh, yeah, so, you know, we've we, we worry about things like that with cbd because it is kind of like that like there isn't some you know cbd office where people are going around and randomly buying these products unless you're a researcher researchers are really uh the only people who are raising money to go out and see what's actually in these products and we've been lucky enough to be part of some of that research but i really think there needs to people should ask devastating questions to their where they're getting their products yeah um, and if someone can't pro- can't direct you to where test results are for a product, like, let's say you go to your local spot where you normally get your coffee and they're like, hey, I got some CBD. Say, so where did you get it from? Like, what supplier? Or ask, say, hey, can you direct me to the testing results? I want to see the purity. Yep. And the company, if they're a real company, will have that data for you. And that's a simple thing. And that is part of a patient's bill of rights. It's like yep. any medicine you buy, that thing that you get when you get a aspirin, if you're looking at it, it has graphs and chromatograms about yeah. what's in it. It yeah. breaks it down yeah. for you. Um, so, again, uh, I think CBD has a tremendous amount of promise, but I agree with you, Jan, that I'm worried about the hype and the uh, bait and switch and the yeah. snake oil that, that that people are prone to. Yeah, I think it might need to go through this, this process of uh, airing itself out. Yeah. So you see, this is like a natural evolution to kind thinking. of getting to where it yep, needs to be. Yep, where it needs to be. And uh, the table yeah. will, will level out once some of the hard study is proven. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, cool. I just hope it doesn't take a huge meteor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're still here. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, there were like a seven mass extinctions events. Maybe we'll see something similar for cannabis where there'll be these like phases where you're like, how did that? I mean, I feel that same way. Like, uh, a friend of mine once said, you know, you're the world's luckiest paleontologist because you get to walk with the dinosaurs and no one's going to believe you in 10 years that this is how the industry was, mm-hmm. how it's been, mm-hmm. what it went through. And I feel I feel that way almost every day um, yep. in what we're seeing and that it's changing so much. I don't know anything else that changes so quickly. Like, let's say cancer research. Right. The life expectancy of someone with a grade four glioma hasn't changed in 50 years. Right. Like there's not exactly 
there's great work being done, but there's not tons of news coming out every week about brain cancer, despite its prevalence, how nasty it is. Yep. And their treatments haven't really, really improved that much, um, since, um, it, you know, since diagnosis exactly. and things right. like that. Um, are you suggesting we do have that much advancement in the, in? I'm just saying there's so much coming at us every week about right. cannabis that, like, I think you said it, said it so perfectly earlier. You're like, the hemp market's crashing. It hasn't even reached its pinnacle. How could it crash? <laughs> it <laughs> like, crash yet. That's, but that's how fast this but is it going. Is, it is. I, it I, is going fast. I'm, I'm just yeah. waiting. False for, hope yeah. is dangerous. Yeah. Um, inmates will tell you that. Cancer patients will tell you that. Anybody yeah. who. No, I, I've seen I've, I've, on the holidays. My yeah. brother-in-law asked me to go meet with his best friend. They have an infant with epilepsy. Yep. They had two cupboards in their kitchen just filled with all these different CBD products mm-hmm. that they were trying, spending thousands of dollars a month, as much as like 10 grand in one month on just trying, oh, this works. I'm going to buy a bunch of it. Oh, wait, it's not the same thing anymore. They changed the formulation. They switched from this to this. And I mean, I, I had... It looked like they were operating at a dispenser. Just open the cupboard. They have not found which one. They find it. It works for a little while. And then they buy it again. And it's not the exact same thing. Wow. So Mm. they're jumping around trying stuff. It's it's phenomenal. Well, we have talked way more about that than I thought I would. Yes, we would have. That is great. (laughs) I was like, they're not going to have. This is going to be a stretch. (laughs) Well, I don't know if... um, James is available. No, not available. He he just started watching on Facebook Live. Well, that's better because we had that guy the other week who fell asleep. <laughs> oh my god, we bore people. Look, no, uh, we didn't. No, 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 no. It was no. a joke. Uh, Wait, talk in the mic. He used a cannabis <laughs> product and then woke up halfway through the show. Remember, he had to call in. <laughs> I actually like that story. Okay. I did it too. It was like yeah. the Facebook Live came on. Woke exactly. up. He's like, oh. <laughs> so. Uh, well, that takes us towards our mind munchies. If yes. there's anything else, I think we kind of jumped the gun on mind munchies with the hemp, uh, well, patent I, medicine discussion, but I, maybe not. I don't know. I've got something. Yeah. So I have to tell you that vacation I took was like such a wonderful spiritual experience. And I think the last time I don't, yeah, the last time, the last podcast we had, we talked a lot about how some people can use cannabis to grow inward. And to really kind of look at themselves and grow and use it kind of from a spiritual perspective. And obviously, as someone who works in the mental health field, mental well-being and happiness and contentment and just being positive in life um, is really, really important to me. So while I was on vacation, I had this epiphany about how I really need to be true to myself and need to get back to what makes me happy and what I'm good at because I've been so busy for so long. It's just, I've become, I've been an automatic pilot. So I came back from vacation. I feel very connected and Mm -hmm. really ready to kind of, we've been doing some really cool projects and just starting tasks and reorganizing. And so part of who I am is I'm actually Buddhist. A lot of people don't know this, but I follow Tibetan Buddhism. I have trained under a Buddhist monk and Geshe taught me a lot of things. I meditate. I'm very much about trying to be 
the best me I can be. And I'm a human and I'm a failure at that sometimes, but sometimes I'm better at it than others. And so part of this for me, mind munchies is kind of going back to my basics Mm. today and going back to who I am as a person so I can share who I am with our listeners. And this is a quote I want to share today. So this is my mind munchies. And by mind munchies, of course, a couple of us were a little slow on the uptake here, but uh, it means food for thought. <laughs> Just saying, Randy and I, I know, it. Randy and I obviously no. didn't get that I until know. today. We didn't get the memo. Food for thought. I know. Uh, the look on so, your faces was great. I know. <laughs> it was really kind of funny. It took our intern to tell us something that we should have known for months. Brilliant. <laughs> I know. Wow. Didn't think about that. Anyway, so I'm going to share. That was a long story, but I wanted to give you guys the context context of why I'm sharing this story because again I really think that all of us as friends you know we can really help each other and help our listeners out there so this is a quote from Pema Chodron Pema Chodron is a Buddhist nun and she is brilliant has has written books that have changed my life and my trajectory and my darkest hours Pema Chodron was like the thing that really helped me get through a lot and this is one of her quotes The only reason we don't open our hearts and minds to other people is that they trigger confusion in us that we don't feel brave enough or sane enough to deal with. To the degree that we look clearly and compassionately at ourselves, we feel confident and fearless about looking into someone else's eyes. And to me, that is such a powerful thing. So if we can really start to treat ourselves with more compassion and love, that's the basis of self-esteem. It's the basis of really kind of connecting with people on a deeper level and making a big difference. And and I'm totally in that stage where my kids have all moved Mm -hmm. out. And I'm in that stage where it's focusing on me. And I just feel so like we have this opportunity to make such a difference here. Yep. And so I just wanted to share that today as Great part of one. my food for thought. Yeah. Deep thoughts. Deep thought. Dr. Jan Roberts, oh. a.k.a. the Dr. Weed Lady. Uh, you could drop the mic on now. I know. Mm. Dr. Weed Lady. That was heavy. Okay. That was I, deep. That Sorry was heavy. Was no, that was, deep. no, it was good. It's really good. Uh Last week, I met a pastor at the uh, Alexander School, and he ran the st- their STEAM program, and he was the uh, hydroponic guy that taught the lessons. Uh-huh. And um, when I walked into the school, I think they have perhaps four black students and happened to meet the one kid who was like the top athlete in the school. I said, this is uh-huh. interesting that when I you know, got to this school and he comes walking down and the teacher introduced me to him. And then as I went through the prof- professional development session, um, he said, I truly wish there was more of a mixture. And this is Western New York, more of a mixture of folks up here so they can share their you know, their experiences and what makes them special and people can know and meet. And I just thought of the specialness of growing up on the Upper West Side, which I always say was the melting pot that worked. And um I like to bring it up because I brought it up last week. That's it's important that we share our space um with folks that don't look like you. And when you find out that... um you're the same. Yes. You're yeah. the same. Yep. Uh, so. I love that. Yep. Dude, our food for thought's good today. Yeah. 
All right, Jayhan. Um, so I I was just gonna go to something basic. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Know, That's where we are. I've just um, I think that uh, I was talking to someone the other day and um, nobody in this room. So I don't want people to make meaning that I'm talking about anyone in particular. But I just thought to myself, it was early morning. And I thought to myself, how can you come up to me when you haven't even brushed your teeth? Oh, God. And I was just like, just once a day. You know, what? like that's the minimum, I think. So just think about that. If you want to really talk to someone, you get in their face. Just think, have I brushed my teeth today? Yes. And that would be sort of my money munchies. You know, people sometimes say when you're in a meeting, ask yourself the, the, the words, wait, why am I talking? And I would think that the second thing for that would be, have I brushed my teeth? Yes. And this, that would be my mind. <laughs> yes. I love I'd it. double it. <laughs> I love it. I wish you guys it. could see Jay on. He's so funny yeah. right now. He's like, yeah. That's it. Damn right. I'm glad it resonates. The veins are sticking out in his head. Yeah. Well, I had to be creative. I wasn't reading data off a chart. It's much more difficult for me. Takes a lot of juice. (laughs) Need to get that shit off your chest too. I've been there. (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, I think that wraps it up for all the news. The sweetest smelling news on hemp and cannabis. Uh, please be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and um, download our shows off of iTunes, Spotify, and wherever internet shows are available. We will also be posting clips to YouTube. And uh, any any last comments? Our website will be oh, updated. Yes. updated. And it's going to have links to all of the podcasts, Sweet. hopefully soon. Sweet. And thank you for listening. All right. See you next week.